Welcome to Bible Greek VPod's Intermediate Greek Program. This is lesson 24. In this lesson, you will learn the infinitive, and then we will look at 1 John chapter 5, verses 13 through 15. The infinitive is called a verbal noun. In fact, the word infinitive comes from the Latin infinitius, meaning infinite with respect to time and boundless with respect to size or degree. Infinitives possess tense and voice like a verb. Its noun characteristics come from context and the accompanying articles. Infinitives can take an object and can be modified by adverbs. The infinitive is very versatile. Let's first take a look at the verbal usage. The infinitive can function adverbally relating to time using while or as. It can be used to describe reason using because. It can be described using purpose using the words to, in order to, or that. It can be used as a result using the words that, so that, as a result, and finally it can be used to describe means using by means of. Let's take a look at an example of purpose. The infinitive can be used to express the purpose or aim of an action or state of the controlling verb. This is the most common verbal usage of the infinitive. Purpose may be expressed with the simple infinitive, the infinitive with the article to, the infinitive with the prepositions eis, pas, or with hosti, or has. Let's take a look at the simple infinitive. An example is found in Mark 10:45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served. There is the infinitive. It describes purpose. He did not come to be served, but to serve. There's the infinitive again. To serve and to give life a ransom for many. As a result, the infinitive can be used to express the result of the action or state of the controlling verb. So here is result. An example is found in Hebrews Chapter 11, verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he was to receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. So he went out, he was called to go out to the place which he was to receive an inheritance. And so what did he do? He went out not knowing where he was going. That's a result. He was called out to go, and he went. Just to give you another example of a result with the hosti, look at Mark chapter 1, verse 27. They that were all amazed, so that they debated among themselves, saying, What is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority he commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him so uh, backing up they that were all amazed so that they debated that's the result 
They were amazed, and the result is they debated among themselves. Let's move to time. The infinitive can be used to express the relative time of the main verb in relation to the action expressed by the infinitive. But please note that temporal relations are only vaguely expressed by the infinitive. The infinitive within itself does not have any significance of time, but may derive a temporal meaning from the context and its use with a preposition or a particle. So with respect to time, there can be three aspects. The antecedent time, the contemporaneous time, or the subsequent time. But the context will define the time aspect. The next usage is the cause or reason. The accusative infinitive with the preposition die expresses the infinitive of cause or reason. For example, John chapter 2 verse 24 says, But Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew all men. There is the cause. Uh, because he knew all men. The translator added the word because. The next usage is means. The instrumental infinitive with the preposition in to expresses the infinitive of means. An example is in Acts chapter 3 verse 26. To you first, God having raised up his servant Jesus, sent him to bless you. Here it is, infinitive of means, by turning every one of you from your wicked ways. The translators had the preposition in tow and translated by turning. Infinitives functioning as nouns. Sometimes the infinitives can function in its context as a noun. It can function as a subject, object, indirect object, instrument, opposition, and a substantive modifier. First as a subject. The infinitive can function as a subject of a finite verb. Romans chapter 7 verse 8 gives an example of this. For I know that in time, that is, in my flesh, nothing good dwells. Here is the subject. For to will, that's the subject, is present with me, but how to perform what is good is not. The subject for to will is present with me. An example of an object is found in Mark chapter 12, verse 12. And they sought to lay hold of him, but they feared the multitude, for they knew he had spoken the parable against them. So they left him and went away. Here the object, for they sought to lay hold of him. The object there, to lay hold of him, serves as the object. Now an indirect object. An indirect object is found in Luke 10, 40. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations, and she came to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister left me to do all the serving alone? 
there's the indirect object. All the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. The infinitive can function as a noun in the instrumental case. An example is found in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 5. So also Christ did not glorify himself by becoming a high priest, but he who said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you. The instrumental use is by becoming. So also Christ did not glorify himself, here it is, by becoming a high priest. That's the instrumental usage. They, they added the word by. An infinitive can function as a noun in opposition to a preceding noun or pronoun and serves to explain, limit, or define the noun. An example is 1 Thessalonians 4, 3. This is the will of God, your sanctification, that is, that you abstain. There's the oppositional use. It serves to limit or explain, in this case explaining, the usage of the noun. That you abstain from sexual immorality. Now, as a modifier, the infinitive can function as an adjective. This usage is also called epexegetical. An example is found in Mark chapter 2, verse 10. But so that you may know that the Son of God has authority on earth, here it is, to forgive. There is the infinitive, to forgive sins. Finally, there are the independent usages. At times, the infinitive can function as an imperative. An example is found in Romans chapter 12, verse 15. Rejoice. That's the imperative usage. That's the inf It's actually an infinitive. Rejoice. But it sounds like an imperative, doesn't it? Rejoice with the ones rejoicing. Weep. There it is again. The infinitive, but it sounds like an imperative. Weep with those who weep. And finally, the infinitive absolute. Infinitive can function as an interjection of greeting. And an example is found in James chapter 1, verse 1. James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes who are dispersed abroad. Here it is, the infinitive, greetings. It's just simple interjection or greeting. Now we move to our translation work for today. 1 John chapter 5, 13 through 15. After defining the context of the testimony in the previous section, it is now time to define the confident living in the testimony. Theology comes first, then practical application. Purpose of writing this letter is not only that we might believe, but that by believing we may know that we have eternal life. This speaks of our eternal security and confidence living a new life in Christ. The two key words in this section are confidence and knowledge. Confidence has to do with our knowledge. Knowledge is related to our experience and hence the indwelling spirit. A born-again person has the basic knowledge 
and the indwelling spirit that gives the believer the conviction and motivation needed to be confident when approaching God. Growing in Christ means the believer moves from simple knowledge to wisdom, applying the knowledge that is possessed in our experience and our daily walk with Christ. Look at verse 13, the first phrase. These things I wrote to you to those that believe into the name of the Son of God. Here the neuter plural demonstrative pronoun of hutas these things, it's an accusative neuter plural, reflects the closeness of the message contained in this letter to the church in Ephesus. That is to say, John is reflecting at the end of the letter upon the entire content of the letter concerning our life in Christ, but particularly pointing to the immediate context, that is, our new life in Christ, John's use of the aorist for grapho, I wrote, is usually translated as a cumulative aorist, I have written, seeing the action from the point of view of its cessation or completion, thus reflecting back to chapter 1 verse 4 where he writes, and these things we are writing, notice that's the present tense, these things we are writing to you that your joy might be full. The contrast between the present tense there at the start and the aorist here at the end reflects upon knowing the person of Christ. How do we know Christ? Save the written word. The written witness that we are given that we call the Holy Scriptures that was written and superintended by the Holy Spirit. John is careful to record that he has written to the church as the dative personal pronoun su, you, used together with the present participle of pistuo to those that are believing. The believers believe nomā to you to Theu, into the name of the Son of God. The concept of believing ice into, that preposition into, the Son of God's onama, the name means we trust who He is and what He says He will do. We believe in the authority of Jesus Christ to do what He says He will do. His name is Jesus Christ, the anointed Savior the Son of God, the only begotten of the Father. This Savior is none other than the promised Son of God of Psalm 2. The very term that equates Jesus with God. Not a Son of God, little s, but to weo, to theo, the capital S Son of the capital G God. One can trust only in Jesus, the Son of God, because Scripture says Jesus claims to be the Son of God, which means He alone is not only equal with God, but He has life in Himself. 
He has the power to raise the dead. He gives life and sets men free from slavery to sin. He alone receives honor equal with the Father and is the object of our faith, the object of our prayer, and has the power to answer our prayers. There is a textual variant identified here as the NA27 simply has these things I have written to you so that you may know that you have eternal life. Whereas the Texas Receptus has the longer reading that I have included here. Dr. Metzinger writes, although one could argue that the shorter reading arose in order to remove the redundancy of tois pistuosin hina pistuntai, it is more likely that the reading of the earlier witness is original, especially since Hinapistetai seems to have arisen as a scribal assimilation to the statement in John twenty thirty one. So I have included the longer reading. Let's look at the next phrase. In order that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you might believe in the name of the Son of God. We have to read the whole sentence because breaking it up just does not make sense. These things I write to you, to those that believe into the name of the Son of God. Here it is. In order that you might believe that you have eternal life and that you might believe on the name of the Son of God. See, the purpose is given here. The purpose for writing these things is introduced by the Hena Clause in order that or so that you might experience eternal life. The perfect subjunctive of Ido, to see or to know, has the idea of to turn the eyes to, to pay attention to, to inspect, examine, or experience any state of condition. Notice that. Experience. Any state of... Con it speaks of an experience. The perfect tense with the subjunctive is important in that it reflects knowledge of a completed state. The possibility exists that we can experience eternal life as it relates to believing in and trusting in the person of the Son of God. This letter highlights... The all-important question, who is Jesus Christ? And the answer is in his name. The perfect subjunctive with the henna forms the purpose clause, wherein our knowledge of eternal life has the possibility of being settled. That is to say, this document is meant to enforce our understanding of Zoe the life that we currently possess and is in fact eternal. Complete knowledge is understanding and wisdom. Wisdom means we have knowledge applied and the outworking of our understanding moves to the realm of experience and our fellowship with Christ. Knowledge is perfected whereas possession of eternal life is present. You might say we live a life now possessing life that will never end 
and is referred to in theology as eternal life or eternal security. This reflects full and present assurance. It reflects a life of faith, trusting that our Lord will be with us always. We live by faith. The present of echo, present active indicative, second plural, to have or to hold, speaks of our current continuous everlasting possession of eternal life. The apostle continues his exhortation with the conjunction chi, with the henna, and so that, is how that's translated, and so that you might believe in his name. The subjunctive is now the present tense of pistuo. You might believe. In the name of the Son of God. The Apostle says, I wrote to you that believe, present participle, that believe so that you might believe, the present subjunctive, that you might believe, or I wrote to you that currently believe in the name of the Son of God so that you might trust in the name of the Son of God. The repetitive use of the expression, to onama, to huiu to theu in the name of the Son of God enforces the trust aspect of living a life knowing and being persuaded that Jesus is the anointed Savior that has the power to give new life. Move down to verse 14. And this is the confidence that we have with Him. Here John explains the experience of our confidence. That is, prayer is the cornerstone to that experience. One of the incredible confidence builders in the Christian's new life is our ability to come before God in prayer and seeing a prayer answered. As Dr. McGee writes, we are not to come to Him with mistrust or in a begging attitude, But we are to come with boldness to ask that God's will be done. In stressing the point of pistuo, to believe, trust, or have faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, John now uses the word confidence. The nominative demonstrative pronoun hutas, this, it's a singular noun, this confines the nominative noun parase, freedom of speaking, fearless confidence or boldness to that which comes from knowing Christ. You get that? Confidence has to come in the form of knowing Christ. This confidence we possess is highlighted by the present verb, echo. We have or we possess. The preposition pros, towards, near, or with regard to, with the accusative, has the idea of confidence we have towards him and speaks of togetherness and relationship, furthering the doctrine of fellowship we possess with him. How is our relationship with Christ? That's the big question. If our relationship is strong, so will our confidence and boldness be. Take a look at the next phrase. 
that if we might ask anything according to the will of him, he hears us. One of the outworkings of the love of God is our confidence we have in Christ. Our relationship with Christ has to do with knowing his will and further, knowing his will leads to lining up our minds to his. The conjunction hati, that, is declarative and the conditional particle ain, if, with the present middle subjunctive, ito, to ask, forms the third class conditional clause, meaning there is surety in our petition. The middle voice adds the sense of if we ourselves ask. The neuter pronoun tis means anything or a certain thing. However, it should be noted that what is asked is according to, John adds the word kata, God's will. Kata to theama atu, according to the will of him. In John chapter 9 verse 31, we find God hears prayers done in his will. There's what chapter 9 verse 31 says. We know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is God-fearing and does his will, he hears him. Relationship of our prayer to his will is important. If we have a relationship with Christ, then he hears us. That is what the present tense of akuo, to hear, means. We must hear a person who believes in the name of Jesus Christ. We see here a person who believes in the name of Christ and who himself listens to the word of God, is obedient to his word, and in turn knows what to ask of God in his daily walk. This is sanctification, the experiential part of our salvation, where we possess a close walk with our Creator and Savior, and we listen to Him, and we grow in Him, and our will becomes closer to His will. We can have confidence that God hears us as we struggle in this fallen world when we do His will. And doing His will is not always easy in this world. The world hates Him, and likewise will hate those that profess the Son. How do we know His will? It's a good question. John has already spoken about obeying the commandments of God. These commandments have to do with knowing Christ and loving Him and his children. The law of Christ is a high standard to live by and involves loving others as yourself. And since this standard is so high, God gives us a helper in the form of the indwelling spirit. But our new life in Christ does not mean we will not fail him nor suffer for him. For God is moving in His creation, through history, with His plan. The truth is God hears us. The genitive personal pronoun, ego, from us, 
emphasizes our personal relationship with God, who is able to move in history to accomplish His will. It should be mentioned that the occasion of this writing has to do with addressing the heresy of the Gnostics. One philosophical error of the Greek world has to do with the concept of fate and visiting Greek oracles. The Greeks had three goddesses who control human destiny. They are impersonal goddesses who are appeased by offerings, and one can know their fate by visiting oracles. Christianity has to do with a new relationship with God that is personal, caring, and based upon communication and fellowship directly with God, where we come before a sovereign holy God and He hears us. We do not read signs. We don't cut open an animal to examine its liver, which somehow gives them the answer. Uh, we don't read the stars or read the cards. We go before God and He hears us. He is not an impersonal being. He is a personal being. Look at verse 15. And if we have known that He hears us, that when we ask, we have known that we have the petitions which we have asked from Him. This verse completes the previous verse in that now the conditional aim, if, together with the perfect verb, ido, to see or know, forms the first class condition, the condition of affirmed reality, meaning we really have completely known and have experienced that He hears us. Do you get that? We really do know that He hears us. This is the great confidence builder. Akuo, He hears, is a present tense verb in combination with the perfect to know. This is huge. we got a present with a perfect. And so this perfect to know has the meaning He hears in a full sense. The genitive personal pronoun ego might better be translated, He hears from us, emphasizing our personal relationship with a personal God who really does hear us. This is a genitive of source, meaning the prayer has its source from us, but it has to do with His will. In essence, we line up our mind with that of Christ and call it like God calls it. There is nothing more frustrating to talk to somebody, you see them listening, but you know they are not hearing what you say, in the sense of considering what you have said. Here, the sense of hearing implies God answers prayers. This next phrase, that when we ask, we have known that we have the petitions which we have asked from Him. The construction, whole ain itomethe, whatsoever we might ask, forms the indefinite relative clause with modal ain. An indefinite relative clause means this is a general statement of truth concerning a hypothetical condition. 
The neuter relative pronoun, hoss, what, represents a generic thing that is asked for, and hence the King James Version translates whatsoever. The middle subjunctive verb of ito, we might ourselves ask, speaks of a person whose mind is lined up with Christ. That middle is so important. This person knows in a perfective sense what should be asked for. The thing asked for lines up with the commands of Christ and the will of the Father. The verb ido, that perfect active indicative, to see or to know, speaks of our knowledge as seen in our minds, and hence can be said that this person completely sees the picture, possesses wisdom and experience. The hati is descriptive and translated that, describing what it is that we possess. We possess the petitions that are desired of us and that are also desired of God. The present tense of echo, to have or to hold, is repetitive. As we continue to have time and time again the atame, the petitions or the requests which we have asked of him. Notice the neuter relative pronoun hos, which matches the neuter of whatever is asked for. Again, the perfect tense of ito, the perfect active indicative, first person plural, we have asked, is used in order to express not only the completed act of asking, but the fact that it is God himself that we line up with. The direction of our petitions is from him. It is important to note that God answers prayer in several ways. He answers prayer yes, he answers prayer no, and he answers prayer not yet. That the Christian should pray in the name of Jesus Christ is most important. And, by the way, in the Holy Spirit and in the fear of the Lord. But the Christian should pray in faith and humility and in repentance and with all our heart and, most importantly, with the heart free from sin, so that one can come in confidence before the Lord. How comforting this is. Notice the words of Second Chronicles. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. I want you to notice something about the word confidence in the book of First John. The word confidence has a lot to do with abiding in Christ. It has to do with fellowship with Christ. It has to do with putting off sin, confessing our sin, calling sin like God calls sin. 
and conforming our mind to Christ. All of that builds our confidence because we can come before God with boldness. Because the, the word for confidence means boldness, it means freedom or unreservedness in speaking. So when we come before God in unreservedness of speaking, with the mind lined up with Christ and a heart to do the will of God, we can come before Him in confidence. And when He answers those prayers, it builds our confidence that God will do what He says He will do. And most importantly, the concept in 1 John of confidence has to do with the future return of the Lord as we face Him face to face. The blessed hope that we will see Him face to face. What a blessing that is.